Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Welcome back to the Hardwater Fishing Show. We are alive. It's season six, episode 10. Jeff, it's the winter's already screaming by. It's the second week of December 2023. In the show notes, Jeff wrote 2022, but I shall remind him it is actually 2023. We have a brand new year ahead of us, full of excitement. Did we record earlier in January? Is this our first recorded show in January, Jeff? Uh, I can't remember. We come. We had one come out right at the new year, but... We recorded yeah. it in 2022. Yeah, we did. It came out in 2023, but it did. Did. You're right. It did. So this is our first recorded show in 2023. Yes, it is. Yes. Do you need to consult our sound engineer? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I just... You know, you make fun of me the 2022. It, it just, it's such a habit. You get oh, I right know. 2022, and it takes a while into 2023 to get rid of the 2022 yeah yeah so our preview topic today is we have a very special guest on the show Ooh, today. this is a big deal jason yep. big J- deal J- and he has a great name great yes. name. uh jason mitchell is joining us today from north dakota so we'll be really happy to meet with jason mitchell and we'll have that a little bit later in the show but first i have two things first we're going to drink a beer and then i have something to ask you about that's not on the show notes which is my oh, favorite okay. thing to do to Jeff. Yeah, we're going off script. All right. Uh, I'm going to open mine first. So I have failed, and I have not gotten to the beer store to get a unique beer. So I still have some Shell's Green Ale, which is one of my favorites. So I have okay. a repeat. All but right. it's a good beer. All so right. I'm just going to do that. And, and was it as good as you remember? It is as good as I remember. It's Shell's Crisp, Light, Yummy. Light and yummy. I don't know if I've ever said those words about a beer. Light and yummy. Mm. You know, I, it, okay, I got a little story here. All right, so all right. My beer, and then you do, can open your yeah, beer. Yeah, do it quick because I'm thirsty. You know, I go to CrossFit, right? You, and, you know, you, anybody that goes to CrossFit, they always got to work that into every conversation. <laughs> You're like, hey, what's, a, what's a good stock trade today? <laughs> well, when I was at CrossFit, okay. Hey, do you know what the weather is tomorrow? Well, as I was walking to CrossFit, hey, um, you know, I was wondering about this new car, this Toyota. Yeah, so I was talking to a guy at the Toyota dealership about CrossFit. They always, <laughs> anyway, go on. So, so, so I'm telling you about Cro- So I'm at CrossFit, right? We're at the gym. And for Christmas. Of you were. They have 12 days of Christmas. Christmas Eve, 12 uh-huh. days of Christmas is okay. the workout, right? Oh, God. There's nothing about so that. So it's a pretty good. tough workout, to be honest. Nothing like about you, that sounds good. No, it's very tough. Yeah. But the bonus is before you get to the 12th day. They give you a beer? Yep, and you slam it. It's part and of it. And you do the so, workout? Yeah. Oh, and it, I had a Coors a Light. Idea. And had a Coors Light. And a Coors Light just hits different after working out for 45 minutes. And then... well having it quickly and then finishing your workout like do some manual labor once in a while and you'll understand why people like drinking oh. a cold beer at the end of the day I, my fingers do the walking jason <laughs> so i did a a while back i did a 5k obviously a while back if anybody's seen my picture <laughs> um with and it was a 
it was a fundraiser, but it was a, a how what the heck was the name of it? It was for cancer awareness type thing, but it was a beer run. So you'd every like instead of water stops, they had beer stops. Nice. And that was a really good idea to like mile three. And you're <laughs> like, you know, and I'm out of shape anyway. So you're like, I'm going to drink this, but this is a bad idea. So you're kind of. But it tasted good. It right. Did, did it taste really good? It did not. No, no, oh, no not because this was like at that point I already had two or three beers sloshing along in my stomach by the time I got to the third beer. It was a bad deal, but it was a good I, fundraiser I of, for a great cause. Yes, I just think of old school where he's like, "It tastes so good when it hits my lips." He talks about the beer. Oh, that's that's how it felt when I had that that beer that all day. Right, so, anyways, so on, let's get into your beer. Well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So I must have been cold or something. So. I, I was thinking, which is weird, you know, it's an ice fishing it's winter. show. This is a very non-traditional ice fishing beer, okay? But it sounded good, and I actually enjoy this beer, so I got some cans of it. So this is a Dos Equis. Oh, yeah. In the dark. Yes. Lager Especial. Nice. There's words on here. Pilsner-style lager with a refreshing and... It's hard to read these little words. Balanced taste crafted in Mexico since 19, 1897. So that's a classic. Classic Mexican beer on an ice fishing show. Ah, it's a good beer. I think the only thing less ice fishing beer would be like a Red Stripe. What's wrong with Red Stripe? I like that too. No, nothing but... But Mexico, you know, I mean, <laughs> you're in the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not know, ice fishing. I know, but it's a good beer, so we'll take it. All right. Sounds I awesome. mean, you've been drinking Texas beers, for crying out loud. Half of Mexico is in Texas already, so what the heck's the difference? <laughs> Whoa, let's watch the politics here. <laughs> that's not politics. That's just reality. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just facts. We only said it in their facts. That's then just we're okay. facts. That's just facts. I like it. <laughs> Didn't say it's a good or bad thing. It's just that's where they're at. That's what it is. <laughs> True. All right, we want to thank, we'll better move. We want to thank our patrons for their support. Patron of the show is Leo J. Cheers to you. We'll drink to that. Cheers to you, Leo. Thank you for the support. <sighs> listener news, Jeff, because we put our listeners forth. Well, but we moved them up. We did. did. You notice we, I've moved things around. We have moved them up because I realized that it was a mistake. So we're, we're up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, Jason. Yeah, man. I got my hair cut today. Why is this on the show? I actually did too. Yeah, we both got our hair We've synced today. up our haircut schedules. Is yes. this what it's come to? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Where did you get your haircut, Jeff? I got my haircut at Great Clips. Great Clips. Good Lord. I go to a barber. You know, Great Clips has that great, like, now I sound like an advertisement, but they have an app that you can say I'm showing up and then you can schedule it. And the barber is just a lot of work to be honest. I just set I an mean, appointment once a month and I set the next appointment when I'm there. Oh well, yeah, maybe, maybe I go there and I get there 10 minutes early. And if I want, I have a beer oh. and I wait oh. and I get my hair cut. Oh, did it work well? I didn't get there early, so I didn't get a beer. Oh, I mean, I don't get beer at mine. It's because you don't go oh to a barber. Gosh. Oh, well, so why is this on the show again? Tell me more. Why, <laughs> why is this part of the show? Where do we, where do we, do we, do we get to why this is ice fishing? 
Now that people know our <laughs> grooming habits. I do say if, if you, you know, if you're a person and you've yeah. never gone to a barber, you've only ever done great clippy type stuff, go to a barber. It's a whole different experience. They're, they're uh, a rare, more of a rare breed anymore where you can go to an actual men's barber. We have one and I need to go there, but I've tried and it's just my schedule's kind of weird. So yeah, it's hard. Anyways, but do you know where fish go to get their hair cut? They don't have hair. They go to the bobber shop. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> oh, boy. So we got another reach out from Michael H. Looks like he's headed up to the Red Door, huh? Yeah, he did. Um, he actually, I talked to him a little bit out there. Oh, um, you actually ran into him? Well, I didn't make it up there last weekend, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so I texted him. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, we, we communicated. So he had some luck. He caught some walleyes nice. uh, out there. So yeah, it well, sounds like great. a good time. That's great. The uh, ice is a bit challenging up there right now. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I didn't go up. <laughs> but but uh, I could have walked out, but I, I ended up, we had other things going on. Too. I, I do want to remind everybody to send us some ice reports from other places around the country. So like if you're in New York or Maine or Wisconsin or... You know, if you're up north and, and you're having good ice, bad ice, good fish, and send us fishing reports. We'd love to hear them. We even got somebody sent us in a legend, Jay. I Audio s- legend. I saw that. We're, We're not going to get it on tonight All right. because we have a legend, but it will be coming up here. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah, so Michael H. was up there. He had success, and you fished the spot, but I'm like, hey, I give you one tip. Here's a good spot to try You to gave him the out. spot that you'd send everybody to? Yeah, <laughs> he caught fish. I thought you just sent me there to keep you out, keep me out of the way. No, but he was in the same spot because it's just the obvious spot there, right? Like, like anybody that's read a map, they're like, "That's I'm literally go the here. spot." Yeah, it was funny because you're going to tell me a spot, and you like told me where to go, and it was the spot I already picked. Yeah, I mean, because it's just the most <laughs> obvious spot, which is a challenge because you're by everybody else, which is yeah. always great. But. Unless the ice is too thin. So, Michael, thank you for your message, and hopefully, you had a good weekend. He did tell me he had, just like we always do, he had some uh, trials. They kind of forgot their propane uh, connector. They had a big buddy. With oh. The, and they forgot the little regulator thing. Yeah. So they like did that thing in the middle of the night when your pro, one-pound propane tanks run out. And oh, I hate that game. You wake up and you're really cold. Yeah, that's not <laughs> a fun game. you have to put the new one in. <laughs> We've that's been there before. Not a good game. No. No, so... So he he said the next night they uh, rented a hotel room at the resort so that oh they did they be warm yes oh yeah. they gave up yep <sighs> more yep. CrossFit he needs to do more CrossFit more cro- if he was at CrossFit he could keep himself warm I guess <laughs> I guess I don't know oh All right. and the the Lou crew did you see these guys yeah here? this young lady caught a beautiful fish and that's uh, South Dakota I believe yeah so the eight and a half year old kid. Caught a 27-inch walleye, and then a 26-inch walleye. Yeah. Holy crap. And apparently they have a video on it. If you go to Lou Crew Outdoors, they have a video, probably on yeah. YouTube. So they do. I kind of looked them up there, the Lou Crew Outdoors. They have a little, some YouTube and, a, and some following, so you can go check it out. Yeah. Nice fish. Holy crap. I, that'd make my winner. I can't so say pretty. I've done that in the last, like, 10 years, so. Well... We'll give it a shot this year. Maybe. And it looks like we have an update from Matt S. from Iowa. 
Yeah, from your neck of the woods, yeah, Jay. Yeah, and he was given an update on the run, Ice Runner Explorer. Jeff, do you want to take this? Did you know we've talked about this Ice Runner Explorer a little bit? It's kind of an alternative brand to like Clam or Otter or you know Eskimo one of those. It isn't as easy as some of the other shacks. And he said the wind was twisting the frame, and it wanted to slide super easy because I think it's lightweight, right? I think that's probably some of the challenges. Oh, the poles didn't. No, all the poles didn't want to slide. Probably because oh, they, they were didn't. they were bound. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I've been there. Been oh there. yeah. I've had that trouble with other models too, and it's super windy out. Yeah, but I think some of the main brands have kind of advanced their pole systems. They have like plastic sleeves and stuff, yeah, so they sure. kind of slide better. And yep. I haven't noticed the newer ones do that as much. But maybe the Ice Runner is kind of an economy brand, right? So yep. maybe that's what causes that. He did say though the sunroof is really nice, huh? And it fits in his Jetta. Didn't we talk about a Jetta ice fishing once before? Yeah. I think it was this guy, actually. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why. Okay. Well, I mean, I think they're every per- you know, every shack has its purpose and price point and weight, so you know, it seems to work okay for him. It's not too windy. John W. sent us a whole bunch of pictures there. You can see them. Yeah. Wow. Some monster pike. Yeah, he got, he got a nice mess of snot rockets there. Didn't exactly say how he caught them. But he's in Pulaski, New York. I've been there. So, oh yeah, is that that same place yeah, that you've been talking place. about yeah, before? Yep, yep, yep. Got my tire fixed there. We're gonna have to put that on the list of someday. That is on my list of someday. If we go to Utah and then Pulaski, New York, yeah. that might be kind of a trek. Two separate trips, not one. Trip. <laughs> or a whole winter of trips. But yeah, yeah, a whole. Winter. Yeah, he has some nice fish there, and. Uh, Said he was surprised when we mentioned him, so he gets to be mentioned again. So he's asking about wade out for walleyes. That must be more of a summer thing. Um, You've done that though. I have. You? Yeah, I've done that up at um, over in the Okaboji Spirit Lake area yeah. in the fall. We've done that. Um, I still prefer a boat. <laughs> but he said it's in the fifties there now, so ice fishing must be pretty spotty. Yeah, it the weather. It's been a weird weather. I mean. They're talking 40s on Saturday down here again. Oh, jeez. And it just got cold, and now it's getting warm again, and, and it's just messing the whole world up. Well, we've got like 10 feet of snow up here, and, and that doesn't good for the ice either, right? I mean, it, it does, doesn't help. No. Even if it's not bad for the ice, it's hard to be mobile when it's that thick. Yeah, you just want to be careful. I mean, it, it, like anything, you use a spud bar, you check it. You, with this variable weather, depending on where you're at, you got to not take it for granted. Um, just because someone was there last week doesn't mean the ice is good if you've had a lot of weather. I think the challenge with the snow here isn't as much, obviously, you always check, but it's it's the ice is thick, but, you know, that snow is so heavy. You drill a hole and you get slush and you get water everywhere. Yep. It's just, it's it, to me, it's more of a challenge of, it's less of, of the safety challenge. It's more of just the challenge of moving around. It's well, and it is a safety challenge. You know, if you get out there and you're dragging a shack and true, you get a big slush ball in the bottom and you wear yourself out and you get yourself yeah. wet and you, you yeah. know, you just got to be mindful of what your limitations are too. It's true. Yeah. No, you're true. Not everybody can be like you, Jeff, and do crossfit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can tell you, I'm not anywhere near the fittest person <laughs> at the gym. I mean. <laughs> I try. I do my best, but um, <laughs> oh, shoot. 
so, someday All I'll right. be able to do two pull-ups instead of just one. There you go. <laughs> That's my goal. I got the pull-downs. If I start, start up top, I can get down to the ground pretty quick. So, like, you just use gravity? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Why do it? You're doing it the hard way. Oh, you got to get somebody to <laughs> lift you up and then just fall down. Well, you just get on a chair. Don't be weird. Right. Who's gonna Who's gonna lift me up to a bar? <laughs> be a stout dude. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so fact yeah, checks. We, we got a couple fact checks. We do. Yeah. Just a reminder until we get to the fact checks that if you uh, if you don't fact check us within before the next show, then it forever stands yes. as truth. So yes. just be careful. <laughs> Pay attention. Listen quickly. Listen quickly. All right, so Jason, you want to talk about the first fact check here we got from Not really. Northwoods I Daves? Still, yeah, I don't, I'm still maybe willing to argue this one from Northwoods Dave, but I, I need to fact check the fact check. But Dave, we were talking about... Um, can you order your own pickup truck? Can you order... Well, you can order it, but the question is when the heck are you going to actually get it? But that wasn't the thing. You said you can't order one and get it exactly how you want it. You said, well, they just get one close. I said, no, you can order Jason Kilby's Chevy Silverado. You can absolutely do that with green paint and gold interior. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to call up Dunlaps tomorrow and ask him to get on. Maybe what I need to do is get to my local Chevy dealer and see if I can get him on the show. There you go. Now, you can't get it. I was making up the, the colors, but... It has to well, be, I understand. You have to be a selection of on the website, but you can pick, you know, short box, 6.2 liter, you know, V8. I think you should order one and see if it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is they might expect us to pay for it. There is that problem, yes, exactly. <laughs> and since I'm still driving a 2004 Yukon, I'm probably... Yeah, probably I mean, well, that means you're due. You're due. Yeah, I'm not due yet. <laughs> All right, so we'll, I don't know. That's really not an ice fishing fact check. All right, so the next one is is a good one. It's about aging fish, and we got this from Dalton B. Is that right, Jeff? Yep, Dalton B. Yep, and, and we were wondering, like, can you tell how old a fish is? And he said, you can age a fish most accurately by counting the rings on the autolith. Inner earbone. The auto- Let's go with the inner earbone. Let's call it the inner earbone. And the method, unfortunately, the method is lethal. So that's not so good, unless you're you know you're going to do a mount or eat it. Yeah. Um, the next best way to count the, is to count the rings and the scales, but not as accurate, and you need a microscope. So Jeff, you need to add a microscope to your fishing gear. <laughs> Chuck that. Back Hold on, I'm, I'm aging this fish. Yes. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. And and they're old. You know, they're the big ones are older than you think. I mean, I think they're they, they can are. be ten plus years old, right? That'd be kind of fun, though, to to do that, like the next time you catch a big, big fish, if you're going to keep it, um, is to do that. Or even to grab a scale off of it and try to, Somebody, you know, here, here's, a, here's a real moneymaker with the, with, the, uh, with the definition that's starting to happen in some of these cell phone cameras. If you could take a picture with enough clarity that the app could tell you how old the fish is off the scale. Yeah. 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 What do you think? I think can you pro- can you program that up for me? Sure, we'll get that done tomorrow. <laughs> it's just yeah, like yeah. the movies when you program. Can software. you put our guys? Can you put our yeah. guys on that? Jim? Yeah, exactly. It's just like the movies. They're like, hold on a second. Here's your new website. You know, it's it's that quick. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I did miss but, one in the show notes here, Jay. Okay. Uh, um, so we got a message from Jacob M. He sent us a link, an ice fishing tournament in Korea, and there's estimated 129,000 tourists gathered for the first day of the festival for ice fishing. Is it a, are all those people ice fishing, or it's like a festival with a tournament? Well, there's a picture. It's called the, oh boy, uh, I'm going to say this totally wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you get to pronounce this. H W A C H E O N dash gun. Hawachin gun? Okay. Ooh, I don't I'm trying. Common spelling. Common spelling. Yeah. It's in Korea. It's through the end of January. So So that that should be on our on our list. Yeah, for sure. Of places to go. But like 129,000 people might be hard to find your own spot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's fact checks and a little extra show business or uh listener news, so Best place to interact with us is social media and Instagram and Facebook. We're on there. I haven't been on Instagram this week. Have you? Um, a little bit. I haven't posted anything, but I've looked out there. Okay. So email and Facebook and Instagram, probably in that order as far as if you want to get a hold of us. Yep. Um, Jeff, how's the TikToks coming? I didn't get a TikTok. new one out this week. It's been a little we are busy. Not, we are not TikTok famous yet, but we're working on it. Yep. You can find our website at hardwatershow.com. We're on YouTube. Email us, and then the link tree thing that nobody knows what it is except for Jeff. Exactly. Um, fishing report. Hey, J- Jeff, Jason. did you get out fishing? Jason, what? did you what? hear what the fish said when it ran into the wall? What? Damn! So we got a fishing <laughs> report up next. Oh, my God. It's going to be a long night. It's going to be a long night. Oh, boy. Yes. All right. Did, did you get out fishing? Uh, I did since last time we were on. I made it up to the red door. The ice was still not ready to put my big shack out, so I walked out because I have no in-between machine. I have mm-hmm. I have the pickup truck that pulls an ice shack that you have to have significant ice for, and I have my two feet. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a long you know it's all or nothing right so yeah so yeah. i took my two feet and i walked out um and there's a fair amount of snow so it's not it's not an easy walk right i mean i probably could use yeah. uh snowshoes or something i mean there's a lot of snow it's that deep huh oh I'll yeah tell you, snowshoes make a heck of a difference yeah it's they really do i mean at my house right now we have more snow than i've had since i've lived here in seven years Wow. I mean the the snow piles on my driveway are at least chest high. I mean it's it's deep. Wow. So yeah, I got out. Um, I went out and I actually uh, met a I met a future guest, <laughs> and we went fishing you together. Did? No kidding. So I stopped at Reed's on the way up to Malax, which is a really cool fishing bait shop place. And I walk yeah. in, and they're like, hey, we don't have any bait. We've been closed for the holidays, and all of our bait died. Oh, my God, that's sad. Yeah. So he's like, you know how it is. One dies, they all die. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I don't know a bait store, but I guess that's how it works. So so I walked in there. They had no bait. And so I'm like, oh, darn. So then I looked around for a few minutes, you know, because you always have to. <laughs> I somehow managed to leave there without buying anything, which is amazing. I mean, that is yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's, that's good form. And so I'm walking out, and I get... 
hey, Jeff. And I'm like, oh, hey, Steve. <laughs> We're walking out and he's like, he's like, uh, and you'll, he's coming up in the future, his next episode, actually, or in the near future, he'll be on. Okay. And cool. he's like, well, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going up to Red Door Fishing. He's like, well, I can, I'm going to fish tonight. Mind if I join you? So I was by myself. So he came up and, and uh, fished with me for a few hours that night. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's not very often that you run into somebody at the bait shop and you end up going fishing with no. them. Did but, you uh, catch any fish though? Uh, so this is how it went. I was. This is, that's a yes or no question. Uh, we did. I did catch a fish. Okay, good. A fish. <laughs> so I get out there and the spot, I just went to the spot. So I have to yeah. walk. My options are limited in reality. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to walk three miles out to the lake, right? I mean, it's yeah. tough going. I've got my sled. I mean, you could. Well, you, You're just there to work out anyway. Yeah, exactly. Even cry. So you have to work out. We talked about this in the last episode. but So I walked out there <laughs> and went to the spot and drilled a couple holes. And I hunted around just a little bit. But I noticed I was marking fish all over the place, right? So I'm like, I'll try this one. Put my lure down. Instantaneously, I caught a fish. Like on the way down, I caught a nice. I caught a walleye. Now it was probably six inches long. <laughs> it was this tiny little walleye, right? There's walleye here, and I'm showing them. And I caught one on the first drop. They're aggressive, right? Set up shop. Actually, I didn't even set up shop. Then I kind of hunted around, and then I set up shop. That was the only fish I caught. Wow! And I hunted That's around. Tough. You know, like we moved around, and I had tip ups out and. We were moving, but again, you know, my mobility options are pretty limited when you're when you only walk, and you know your next big move is another half mile away, and it's getting dark. You have to make decisions, so I just stayed there and fished, you know, till it got pretty dark, and then eventually went in. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I caught one. I mean, it's, there's something about not being skunked that's always my goal like even if you don't do well if you come back with no fish that's really disappointing so i got one it was tiny but yeah i've had that experience before where you come back with no fish so jason did you that was my fishing experience uh i'm trying to think well that's pretty much it yeah so yeah so i've gotten out twice nice since we've talked last good job jason which, which when you consider I'm in the middle of like some major remodeling projects is pretty good. Like you have no kitchen. I had currently have no kitchen. Yeah, and they, they just told us today that maybe it's going to be two weeks before the counter comes in. Yeah, like, that's pretty that's, standard with that's, construction these that's days. good. But yeah, everything else has been going pretty good. But anyway, that's not what we're talking. So I caught a fish. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some bites. So, you know, I'm once again, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm always this this wanderer when it comes to ice fishing. Like I never try. The same place. Like rarely fish the, like the same water twice in one winter. You know, because I'm always just like, well, I'm going to try somewhere else. Well, I'm going to try somewhere else. So that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, I tried a lake south of here and caught a bluegill nice little blue oh nice nice saw four or five more on the camera okay moved probably i mean i only fished from like three hours sure is all i had drilled a lot of holes okay because i was using a camera the water was clear where i was sure 
drill a hole. I would sit for like five minutes, put the camera down, sit for another five, no marks, kind of spin the camera around, didn't see any activity, and I'd leave. Sure. You know, and I'd move. Yep. The first little pond I went to, I mean, I think I hit, found like six different, because these are all, you know, it's Iowa, so these are all little man-made things. Yes. So I hit like five or six brush piles and didn't see a fish. Weird. And so I, you know, it's a little pond. I'm like, well, I wonder if something happened. Sure. On this pond, so, um, so I got out of there and went to another lake, bigger lake, and there hit a couple brush piles, and then I started picking up some bluegills, but I only had about a half hour left. Gotcha. And uh, so I took off. So I did that, and then yesterday I went out to another lake that the DNR in Iowa says has walleyes in it. It's like a pondish lake. I would consider <laughs> okay. it a pond. Okay lake thing and we did not catch any walleyes we did see some bass on the camera and a couple of crappies on the camera okay everything was real skittish though so talk about high pressure you know so you're fishing Mm. this little area that's probably i would call it a fourth of the size of stone lake okay so like um, so like six 35 acres sure okay maybe maybe less that would be actually bigger, smaller yet than a quarter of Stone Lake. But so like 35 acres. Yep. And there was probably, you know, a dozen or more groups of people fishing. Sure. You know, so like I swear every fish in the, and this, I'm making excuses now, guys, because <laughs> this is what you got to do. This is how you talk about it when you go fishing, you don't catch fish. So we teach you a lot on this show. We teach you how to catch fish and we teach you how not, how to talk about when you don't get fish. <laughs> this is what you say when. You know what you say when the, yeah. when you don't catch a fish? The fishing was slow. What? The fishing was... That's what know, everybody says. The fishing yeah, was slow. Yeah, it was a little slow. It was a little slow. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the nice things about the camera is you can kind of yeah. see... You know, so I had... I'll, I'll just talk through it real quick. I'll do be quick about this. Yeah. So, um, word had said there was walleyes, so I rigged for, for walleyes. And after a, about a half hour, 45 minutes, I'm like, I, I think this is dumb. And so the guy I was with was still rigged for walleyes and I had a, a tip up out with a minnow and a hook. I think that's probably your best walleye yeah. rig, really yep. anyway. And, um, on a small lake and, and so on the camera, you know, I had this, this nice little sunfish come up and look at my bait and like he got within a foot, you know, what I thought was a foot on the camera. Sure. And then I hate when they do this, like they swim up and then they just go in reverse <laughs> and they just fade away. Like come back, because <laughs> you can see the little buggers. Like all of a sudden, yeah. their little fins are going one way, and now their little fins are going the other way. <laughs> like dang it! So then you, you know, when they do that, I change lures, because I'm like something about that they didn't like. So I switch lures, and then I wait, and then another one comes up, like a crappie comes yeah. over, and he kind of is eyeballing it, and he gets about a foot, and he just kind of, and then he does the whole reverse, and I'm like, dang it! I'm like okay. They didn't like that one either. So then I go to a little tiny um, gumball. Yep. No. Well, I'm. What's the polka dot one? Wonder bread. The wonder bread. Like a God. I like a, a yeah. dropper jig. Yeah, a little tiny dropper yep. wonder bread with a with a one little waxy on it. I'm like, okay. You know, this is th- this will be the ticket. Sure. Right. They want little. A bass comes by, and sucks that thing in, and the hook, you know, is so little. <laughs> <laughs> like he couldn't he wouldn't get in i couldn't get him <laughs> pulled 
pulled it right out of his mouth because the hook's so darn little. Maybe that one should be retired then if the hook's too small. That well, but it's perfect size for a little perch. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But not for like a pound largemouth bass. This is going to sound like I'm trying to sell clam jigs, but clam has these dropper jigs. They're called XLs, and they're XL big. because the hook is longer. Yeah, I've been looking at some of them long long shank hooks with a small head. Yes. you know, the small yep. head on them, and then and then a big hook because I think those are the ticket for walleye. Yep. on a small presentation. Because within tungsten, you don't yeah. need a you don't need the weight as big, but and you want yeah. a small presentation, but you still need a hook big enough to put like a fathead minnow on or something, right? So anyway, that was kind of kind of the story. But you know what? I got out. So um, it was a beautiful evening. It was you know like twelve degrees, yep. thirteen degrees, but it was no there was no wind. And so what was your um, strategy when you were going on that lake? You were fishing brush piles. No, the, when we went the first two lakes. Um, last week I was, but this um, yesterday we were actually just fishing kind of what looked to be classic-ish walleye structure. We were in a trough between okay. two little humps. Okay. Okay. And and so we set tip ups up on each little hump, and then we sat in the trough. Sure. And the water was clear enough with the camera, I could basically see up the edge of that. Right. That kind of incline to that little hump. So that was our, you know, the first time we've ever fished it. So. Well, and, and I fish like that a lot of time too, especially when you don't know the water or the spot, or even if you know the spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that spot I go to that is pretty well known. And I do what you did. I tried different depths. You, you know, you go up and down yep. the hump. You kind of move around. I mean, because even, even if they were there before, it doesn't mean they're going to be there the next time. They might be in the area, but they might not be there. That's kind of what what I did and what we did. But like I said, it was... It was great being out because all that leads up to next weekend, me and uh, the guy I fish with here yep. are embarking on our own little fishing tournament oh. with four of his buddies. So there's four teams. So this is like pre-fishing. You were pre-fishing. This, well, we were just getting the bugs worked out of our system, but we've got four teams that are fishing. I'll give you guys an update on this. So there's four. There's eight of us total. Okay. Four Four teams. It's kind of like that game of inches thing. Sure. Where you just measure it's by length and species then? Length and species, but total length over all species, total yeah. added together. Sure. And you and you you have to you know, so your northern inches plus your walleye inches plus your crappie oh. inches plus your bass. So you we you get to keep as a team one walleye for measure one walleye oh. total, one northern, one crappie, one bluegill. One perch, one bass, and one catfish. And if you don't catch one, then you get zero. Yep, yep. If you don't catch well, that one, sounds you get fun. Zero. Sounds fun. So yeah, so we've been strategizing about how we're going to do that, and wow. I'll give an update. So we're, I think we're headed. Well, I don't want to say where we're headed because I don't know <laughs> if anybody listens to this show. I, I like. Well, this is the thing you're going to talk about that you ha- didn't have on the agenda or on the. Yeah, notes. this is one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. I want to hear about this because I feel like I could have kept some. I would have been on the board with a lot of things already. But anyways, I'm not playing. Have you caught a catfish? No, but I've caught a walleye no. and a sunfish and a crappie. Yeah. So I think our strategy is is we're going to hit northern first. Yeah. Because I think your biggest advantage inch-wise oh. is in a big northern. Yes, absolutely. You know, 
because you pull a 39 incher out of the hole. Holy yeah, cow. That you're really going to have to catch a big crappie to help make up the ground on that. Yeah. It's, do they, it's almost like they don't count though at some level. Like if you catch a six inch crappie and eh, I suppose if somebody catches 12, you get six inches. That's okay. So, it, but like a, a, a 10 inch crappie, which still isn't exceptional. It's nice fish, but like, yeah, but the three inches, you know, I get it all adds up though. It adds up. And it, it might be up. the smallest one makes the difference. Like, it's like some of those things where actually the smallest one makes the difference because everybody catches a big northern and it's not that different. Yeah. Well, and I would tell you, though, walleye is probably, walleye and catfish, I think, are probably going to be the two hard ones because, you know, there's not reliable walleye fishing within two hours of where we all live. The river? Mississippi River's hard for walleye oh, really? in our area. Oh, Yeah, because... It, it's a so when you get up by like um north of lacrosse yeah the river's a lot different whereas we're at in kind of that iowa section sure. there's a lot of backwater sloughs but there's not a lot of deeper water uh, okay. that you can you can get into because the deeper stuff's all got a lot of current sure. it's pretty dangerous so it's less lake-like and more river-like oh, interesting they don't catch a lot of walleyes on my stretch of river huh. it's all you know big perch oh man they got yeah big big perch Gotcha. And uh, good sized crappies and panfish back in those sloughs, but not walleyes huh. and big mm. snot rockets. Okay. So, okay. So we'll see. Yeah. So anyway, I'll give you an update. We're, we're going to plan. We're fishing both Saturday and Sunday. We might try to get out a little bit after work. Friday. Um, and, and the guy that set up the rules made one either good error or bad error, depending on the perception. <laughs> yeah. The, the competition runs from sun up to sundown interesting so no night bite because huh. you know i would just drive somewhere and fish all stinking night oh interesting huh. yeah yeah so so it's like active catch. fishing not tip up sleeping rattle reel kind of deal yeah because i would put it put a nice house on a, a lake friend. and just live there for a couple of days well i have friends that have stuff yeah it's true yeah it's true <laughs> Maybe I'll be in that thing this weekend, but yes. You and you might get a call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but Malax is not on our list of bo- so. The oh, there's a list weekend, of bodies of water. No, no, no. Oh, we've made a list of places oh. we're going to try to fish. But so the last weekend, there's two weekends this encompasses, and we're like, well, if we have to, you know, we'll fish that that last weekend. We'll bomb somewhere like Minnesota or something sure. if we have to. But Malax is not on that list of like go to yeah gotcha last minute because it's just not productive enough yeah i mean you can catch some big fish there but i mean it, it, they have some trophy fish but it it's more like fewer big fish than it is number of fish right yeah yeah so we got to figure out where that lake is so somebody's got some suggestions you think in like south something. dakota is that close oh, that's that's a long ways hmm Hmm. Yeah, that's a long ways. Well, I don't know. I well, well, it depends on how desperate we get because I think we're they're using um, what's the website? Fish Donkey. Fish Donkey. Okay. So we can keep track of what everybody's doing, so we'll know. Okay. We'll know if it's what we got to do. Sweet. Well, I'm excited. So there you go. Good luck. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah. There's a couple current events right before we get into the topic here, as we get longer here. Uh, one interesting thing I read in the outdoor news, there was a thing about how we name fish, like the kind of slang names and stuff. Okay. And it says in Texas, bluegills are called perch. 
What? So if you're in Texas and they say, I caught a perch, they caught a bluegill. How is that even right? I don't know. Fact Are you check sure it. someone's not just pulling your leg? That's what Steve Nicomas in the Outdoor News said. I don't know. That seems weird. I've called it bream or something. I don't know. They call it perch. And then the other, other thing on the names was they said that for eel pout, that its scientific names is Lada Lada. Lada Lada. Lada Lada. He also mislisted cod, burbot, lawyer, or eel pout. So I don't know. Lawyer. I've heard it called lawyer. Yeah, the lawyer. I just want to give a shout out to, uh, and this is coming up January 28th, the Hardwater Freaks annual ice event over there in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Put on by our friend Max and the Hardwater Freak crew over there. Um, they're Saturday, January 28th, 2023. We're not going to make it this year, unfortunately. Yes. But we do wish that event the best of luck. It's a fun time. If you can get over there, it's a hoot with a bunch of people that, that like uh, ice fishing and, and hanging out and partying. Yeah. Um, and that's at the Lure Bar and Grill. And if you Google Hardwater Freaks Annual Ice Event 2023, you'll find a link to buy tickets. Sweet. There you go. I wanted to give them a plug. They, they sponsor a lot of veterans type of outdoor events they do absolutely and max himself is a vet and, and yep. so they they do sponsor a lot of that stuff and and then they works with some really good organizations um that we met last year for sure and if you find our january episode last year you can hear we did an on on uh location podcast from there absolutely all right so that's current events and i think we're ready for the the real awesome part of this podcast Oh, yeah. So we got to interview and talk with Jason Mitchell, and that interview is coming up next, so enjoy. Today on the Hardware Fishing Show, we have Jason Mitchell from Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Jason, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on. It's really a pleasure, guys. We feel very honored to have you on the show. So We're, we're, we're honored when people take the time to talk to us. Yes. So it, always, it always surprises us just slightly that, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, <laughs> they want to come on and talk to us. <laughs> So, so Jason, you're based out of the uh, North Dakota area? Yes. Yeah, I live in Devil's Lake. Yep. Okay. And uh, you, you can't see my well, my background. You see that snow bear there? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually on Devil's Lake. Uh, yeah, it looks like Z-Box Pass. <laughs> like he knows exactly where it is. <laughs> you're underneath the second tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were up there a couple of years ago and fishing, and we rented a snow bear from a guy by the name of Dean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, Dean. Yeah, we had a really nice, really nice time out there. Yeah, and I will say Snow Bear is a very great way to travel when you're ice fishing out there, so you can't complain. We always like to talk about kind of where you got started and how you got uh, into uh, fishing and, and where you are today. So, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about how you got started in, in the business here. Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, growing up, I was kind of a fishing bum. I mean... <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, you know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, where I slept with my boat or slept in my pickup or whatever. And, you know, just some of it was out of necessity where I didn't have enough gas to get back and forth. <laughs> so I, <laughs> you know, and all I wanted to do was fish. I mean, I, I've often felt, you know, if I could have made a deal with the devil at that time where, hey, you could be broke for the rest of your life and fish every day, I would have, I would have signed up. You know, I, mean, I, was, I was just obsessed with fishing. And uh, so I started guiding. I found out that I really liked. I mean, I just, I don't know, I, I I think I just had the right temperament for it. I mean, you have to be laid back enough where you have to let things roll off you in the sense that, you know, you're going to be getting people that maybe they don't get to fish very often, you know, and and uh, you're going to get somebody that 
you know, won't stand up in the boat and they'll crank a big walleye right up to the rod tip and you're trying to net it, you know, and, <laughs> and, and uh, Ouch. where you can see somebody getting bites and they're not setting the hook or whatever, you know, and, and I, I often joke, you know, I knew people that were way better at fishing than I was, but, you know, they were just too high strung, you know, if somebody screwed something up, they would, it would just wreck their day, you know, and I just kind of let things just kind of go, you know, and, uh, and uh, I, I really enjoyed, I, I love taking people out fishing. I love taking people out fishing that maybe hadn't done a lot of fish or hadn't caught a lot of fish and then figure out a way to get those people fish. And I found that really rewarding and, and I kind of like that challenge, you know. And so, um, you know, one day you might get somebody and they can't cast at all. They can't cast, you know. And, you know, I've been catching fish in four feet of water. How am I going to do this? You know, and then figuring out a way to do it, you know. And, and, uh, and then those people, you know, just being so, you know, happy that you know they caught fish you know and so i loved guiding and um, guided for many years and goodness you know back in the day there weren't many guides on devil's lake you know there are very very few of us and it was a much smaller industry you know and uh there are just a couple of us and goodness we you know we just got busy i mean the lake you know exploded you know not just size wise but notoriety wise too i mean people started coming from all over the country to fish devil's lake and uh I remember back in the early days, I mean, there's times where I took out three groups a day. <laughs> just, wow. Wow. I mean, just, just a grind. But, you know, that comes with a price, too, in the sense that when you're taking out that many people, it's hard to find fish. You know, you have to just go right back to the well. You have to go right back to where you caught them before, and you only had people for three or four hours. You know, you, you didn't have a lot of time to look around. You just had to go right back to where you thought you could catch them, you know. And when you do that too many days in a row, that, that comes back to bite you. And so when we were young, you know, we were, I mean, I remember taking a group out in the morning for a hundred bucks, taking a group out in the evening for a hundred bucks or taking out three wow. groups, 300 bucks, you know, and this is, you know, back, way back in the day. And, um, yeah, granted you'd get tips and stuff like that, but we were just running our tails off and then finally realized that, you know what, we're better off. I remember saying, you know, I'm not going to do half days anymore. We were like, no, 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 you know. And we're, we won't be as busy, you know. And, and I remember, you know, some of the other guides were like, "Well, you take your full days. I'm going to take half days. <laughs> I'm busy all summer." I'm like, "Well, you know, I realized that you know we we're kind of being busy losers in that um, realize that you know let's take out one group a day, just one, and do an eight hour day. Just do a full day of fishing, clean the fish at the end of the day, and you know it was just such a more relaxing pace, and we were more profitable because. To take out one group for eight hours was about the same expense as taking out a group for four hours. You still got to sure. run to the spot or run to the area and back. You still got your tackle. You still have your bait. You have your gas and everything. And so we, it's like we we built a layer of profitability that we'd never seen before, you know. And uh, but the other thing though too is that we could really manage our spots so much better and find fish so much better in the sense that. I would purposely go out a lot of mornings and I wouldn't go right to my best spots. I would spend three or four hours just looking around, checking other things out. And then I'd have something in my back pocket to slide into, you know, because sometimes if you make it look too easy where you just go right to the spot and just start catching them right away, people don't realize that it's not like that everywhere. You know, they just say, well, this is a great lake. And yeah, I guess you're an okay guy, but I think I could do this myself. Whereas he showed a little bit of a grind. They were like, wow, you're a really good guy, you know. One o'clock. I didn't think this was going to happen. Two o'clock. We got a limit box, you know. And so, you know, the I, psychology I started, of it. I like. Yeah, it. So I started learning. You know, I, I started learning my craft a little bit. You know, as I, you know, the more I did it, you know, and um, you know, I learned a lot of things. Like I remember when I was young, you know, somebody would call and I just get a bad vibe from them, right? Like, uh, you know, I re I learned, you know, just you know, because I was in bit, you know, basically I was self employed, right? I was running my own business per se. 
Um, I don't have to be like Walmart where everybody that comes in with a pair of four-year-old shoes, I have to give them their money back, right? And, and what I mean by that is sometimes people would call and I realize, you know what? I shouldn't take these people out, you know? You know, just with the questions they'd ask, like, hey, you know, can you guarantee a little bit of fish? So after I get my little walleyes, I want to know if I can get my little white bass and pike too. And I'm going to be here for 10 days and I've got 20 buddies that are staying with me and and uh, we just want to, you know, pour out your spots for the rest of the week, <laughs> you, know? <Wow. laughs> you know? And so, you know, I kind of learned too, you know, that there's some groups that, you know, just say you're full or say you can't do it or, or just be real honest with it. I remember one time a guy called me up and, you know, I was like, hey, can you guarantee me a limit of fish? And I said, no. What kind of guide are you? And I said, well, an honest one, you know. If I could do <laughs> yeah. that, I'd do something way more important with my life than, you know, loading up a boat full of two or three people. And, you know, I'd have way more important things I, I should get done today, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I loved it, though. I mean, fishing every day on a phenomenal lake, on a phenomenal fishery. I mean, we had, a, we had tough days, but our good days were as good as it gets, you know. I mean, Goodness, I remember having to wrap hockey tape around my hands and my fingers because they were so cut up. You know, just, wow, wow. The number of fish you would handle, unbelievable. I mean, it was just, you know, and so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of great memories. But, you know, that's that's kind of how I got started in the industry as, as a guide. And then I, we were getting so busy that, I, you know, I kept hiring people, you know, to help me. You know, and, and one of the things we found, too, is, I mean, I started out, you know, I'd be taking out a group a day or, or well, way back, two or three groups a day. And, uh you know, and some of them were just local people. Sometimes just, you know, some farmers that got done spraying and it was a nice day and let's go down the lake fishing, you know, and, but then we started putting packages together, you know, and then, and then we started getting people from all over the country, you know, where I, I realized that people wanted just a nice round package where, you know, we were partnered with Woodland Resort. People would come in and uh, it's just a three day, four night fishing package. All their meals are provided. All they got to do is show up, show up at the airport, mm -hmm. show up on the train, whatever drive you know and uh they show up check in and everything was taken care of well i found people really liked packages you know they just like around easy and we we provided everything rods tackle tried to use mm -hmm. good equipment you know and uh and it was just a just a really you know great way to not only add value to what we did to the resources for putting heads in beds but it just became something that we could market you know and people like stuff bundled up in a nice box with a bow on it you know and uh so then we started hiring guides and and then that, you know, then we started doing a lot more corporate stuff. And all of a sudden we started getting corporations, you know, hey, I want to bring 30 people up, you know, I want to wow. bring your people a bus, bring in, we want to do our annual conference and we want to mix in fishing, you know, and pretty soon we were doing corporate stuff. And so then we started, you know, we needed a larger staff. And so goodness, by the time I sold the business, you know, we were running, you know, 14 boats, 14 guides. You know, we were one of the biggest guide services in the Midwest by far. And, and we were probably the first one, you know, when I, when I first started, most of the guides were school teachers and they were lone wolves, you know, and uh, where we were kind of some of the first people to kind of put together a team where we had a staff, where we had a, you know, and then, you know, all the information too, as far as the networking, you know, as far as comparing yeah. the every day, we got, you know, 10 to 14 boats going out every day. You know, you find out where things are happening in a hurry, you know, if everybody yeah. and kind of looks around, you know, so yeah, that was kind of the, the key to our success. Well, then, you know, we started getting some notoriety from, you know, just guiding on Devil's Lake and from fishing. And we were doing, you know, I was doing a lot of outdoor writing and stuff. And uh, fun was a great way to kind of market ourselves and then and, and try to help people catch fish. I One thing I'd tell any new guide, you know, because I get a lot of people, you know, contact me wanting to get into the industry is, you know, always try to treat it or consider yourself like an ambassador of whatever water you're on. So if somebody comes up to you at the bull ramp and they need help, just be helpful. 
it doesn't matter if they hired you or not. You know, it doesn't, none of that matters. Just try to be helpful and uh, try to be decent to people. And um, it, it, it kind of comes back around and I, I can't tell you how many times where, for example, I'd run into a couple people in the bait shop and maybe they had a tough day fishing the day before and they'd come up to you. They'd want to talk fishing, you know, what, you know, where should I be going? What should I be doing? Whatever. And I just throw them a bone. I would just tell them a spot where I caught fish four days ago. And I knew there was still some there, but it wasn't where I was going, you know, <laughs> and I didn't have to tell those people exactly where I was planning on heading that day, but I would just throw them a bone, you know, I mean, you do this and 12 feet of water, bottom balls or spinner and do this this and this well then they would go out and catch some fish and they'd get some confidence and they'd find some more fish and and i can't tell you how many times where you know some people just aren't going to hire a guy but they would go home and show their buddies at work all the fish they caught and these people well geez we want to go up there well we don't have a boat you know we'll hire this guide and so just the goodwill that you get and i can't tell you how many times where i would walk into the bait shop in the morning you know and pick up my crew and get my bait and all my stuff and There'd be like an envelope or a note or something in my mailbox. And people at the bait shop, go, hey, Mitchell, there's something over here. Some guy left it for you when he checked out. And I'd open it up and be waypoints for some mother load of fish that I didn't know about. Wow. <laughs> and so it's amazing how stuff kind of comes back around if you just treat people cool. right. And even other guides on the lake, right? I mean, you're, you're, other guides on the lake are not your competition, right? I mean, if, if there are other guides on a lake and they're doing a great job, it helps you so tremendously. You want, and even if people that don't hire guides, if they come to Devil's Lake, I want them to have a good time. I want them to catch fish. I want them to go home and tell everybody how great Devil's Lake is, right? And um, so, yeah, your your competition isn't the guide on the other side of the lake. It's it's other destinations. It's other lakes that are, you know, premier fisheries that might be 300 miles away. It might be a place up in Canada. It might be, you know, whatever. But your competition isn't each other, you know? And so hmm. that's something we always try to instill, you know, around Devil's Lake is, hey, you know, we're not in it. We shouldn't be enemies. I mean, if, if I'm full, you're going to get, that person's going to find you. And if you're full, that's the best thing that can happen for me. And if you go and have a great day and, and your people have a great experience, that's the best thing that can happen for my business. You know, you know, just sometimes you have to take a 30,000 foot view in life sure. you know, and with your business, you know? So, um, yeah. So, you know, then we started doing a lot of television shows and, um, Different, you know, whether it's Midwest Outdoors or In Fisherman, or I film mm-hmm. a lot of shows with Tony Dean. And uh, Tony and I became pretty good friends. Well, then Tony got to the point where he wanted to retire, so I had the opportunity to take a show over. So that's originally how I got to television. In the first few years, I guided and did television, and I got to be a little too much. I mean, you know, I was used to, you know, having some pride in what I did and, and trying to be the best guide that I could be, you know, and not every day did I live up to that, you know, but that was my intention. You know, and um, uh, there'd be times where, you know, say I'd have to go over to northern Minnesota for three days and I'm fishing for smallmouths. I come back and my my boat's full of spinning rods with six and eight pound monofilament. And I got to change everything in my boat to get ready for fishing at home. And now I haven't been on the water for a couple of days and I'm leaning on everybody around me, you know. And, and so, you know, it just got to be where you, I couldn't do both well. So then I, you know, so administratively we ran the business for a few more years, probably about four or five, six more years. And then uh, finally decided it was a great opportunity to sell it, you know, to guys that, you know, been in it for as long as I have or longer. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, people that, you know, help grow the business from the start, you know. So this kind of came full circle. So now we just do television and that's what we do. So so how long ago did you start the Jason Mitchell's Outdoor brand then? Because, you know, that's that's a, a brand, your brand right now. 
you know, it, we've been, this is, I think, our 15th year of television. Okay. It's hard to believe, but yeah, it's wow. hard to believe it's been that many years already. Time goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we started in 2007. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, hard to believe. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's that's great to know the background because I'm sure most of our listeners have seen you on TV or on video and they know where. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. You know, like people don't understand all the time, like how it, how long it takes to get to where you're at or what the hard work is or what the path is to do that. Yeah, you know? And everybody has a different path. I remember, I mean, I had a tough time. I mean, I, well, I, I had, I had some adjustments to make the television, right. In the sense that uh, when I was guiding, you know, I was, I always felt that, uh, I mean, there's people that had way bigger personalities than I do and, and uh, probably way funnier or whatever, but I, I always had my head down trying to catch fish. I was like, you know, if I can get these people fish, you can do a lot of, you can do a few other things wrong, you know? And, you know, when I saw that, I mean, you know, like, like the meals and the food and the equipment, and everything has to be up to speed because if the weather's bad or the fishing's bad or whatever, then it's like times 10. Right. Yeah. But what I've also found is that if you have great fishing, it's amazing. You know, well, like look at when you go to a flying camp, right? You're in a tiny little cabin. The mattress is 30 years old. It hurts your back. There's squirrels running up and down the walls. <laughs> <laughs> but the fishing was so incredible, you don't care, right? Whereas if that was in the states and the fishing was bad, you'd be, you know, you'd be reporting it to the Better Business Bureau, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, so, you're right. So yeah. I was always kind of had my head down and, and focused on the fishing, you know. And um, I was always kind of the fisherman, you know. And uh, always, you know, usually, I mean, I had tough days, but I mean, there were summers where I'd go 100 days, 120 days in a row, where everybody in the boat limited out. Now that's not a testament to me that was how good of a body of water I'm on and the fact that I've got 10, 12, 15 bolts out every day where I'm cleaning a lot of information, you know, mm -hmm. but that's kind of was always my focus is fishing, you know, well, you know, one of the things I learned with television is, you know, I remember people who, you know, oh, you don't get excited after you catch a fish or oh, you're too dry or oh, you're too, you know, you don't get, you know, I was pretty laid back and pretty, you know, <laughs> and so yep. I kind of had to learn to let my personality come out a little bit in front of the camera. And that took a little bit of time, you know, and I, I remember, you know, somebody had come up to me at a sports show or whatever, you know, and yeah, you know, I, why don't you ever get excited when you catch a fish? I'm, like, well, I'm excited. It's just, you know, 18 inch wall. I've seen a few of them, you know, and not to discount it because I hope I catch a few more, but, um, you know, as a dealer, do you want to listen to a fisherman trying to learn how to act or an actor trying to learn how to fish? There's a lot of, there's plenty of actors trying to learn how to fish, you know, and um, they've got big, great personalities, but you can't take anything they say and take it to the bank, you know, as far right. as fishing, you know. And so I, you know, always felt like we're trying to, you know, more, uh, what I feel is more authentic and real information to truly try to help people catch fish because there's a lot of stuff that's just bad advice, there's bad information out there, you know. And so you can take it from a real big personality and, you know, and, or I, I can tell it to you with a straight face. It's hundred percent authentic. I don't get, I'm not going to jump up and down and yell and scream and, you know, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something I think is really important. It's something that either took me a long time to learn or took somebody else a long time to learn. They're lucky enough to share it with you, you know? And so that's kind of our formula. And in, over time it's worked. I mean, luckily there's enough room for a lot of different shows and a lot of different personalities and kind of everybody has their own niche, you know, and most of the people in the industry, I, I get along with really well and, consider them pretty good friends, you know, and um, so that's another cool part of the fishing industry that I really enjoy too, is just all the people, you know. That's cool. What, what's, um, if you had to pick something that you think is just terrible advice that you've heard, that's maybe more common 
stream that people talk about, what what would that be? One of my pet peeves is when people are catching fish on stuff that they didn't catch fish on, right? Where you can look at the video and the fish look a little bit too tired, right? They're hardly fighting and they don't flop around. They don't do that, you know, and they're just limp, you know? And uh, they net them and they talk about the lure or whatever. And, uh, you know, they got a live ball full of fish. They caught a plane hook and a split shot and a leech. And they're trying to convince you that they, they caught up the fish on a lure, you know. But they got it. Fish. Okay. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff, too, is there's no silver bullet in that the whole thing with fishing, in my mind, is you're better off being in the right place at the right time with the wrong presentation, the wrong lure, the wrong color than having it yeah. backwards. And mo most people get it backwards, right? Focus on finding fish. Well, what does that look like? You know, having a really good understanding of your electronics, but not just knowing what fish look like, but just knowing the intricacies of whatever ecosystem you're in, right? There's some lakes where every point you pull off of at 30 feet of water. It's covered with whitefish or it's covered with suckers, right? So you can waste half a day fishing for those marks that aren't walleyes, right? Or the fact that no matter how good of electronics you have, there's certain situations that hide fish, right? You're not going to see fish on side imaging over riprap, but there's times where fish are loaded on riprap. There's times where you can go along spots on riprap and they're loaded with fish. You're not going to see them with side imaging, you know? I think... A lot of times people just read something or hear something. They just kind of take it to the bank without testing it themselves or using it themselves and just regurgitating information. Well, if it's not 100% accurate, if it's not good information, they regurgitate it not even realizing because they haven't spent enough time on the water to know. You know, I mean, early on in the year, for example, uh, you know, like on Devil's Lake and a lot of places, I'm using my temperature gauge and I'm using and, I, and I'm looking up the color of the water. Those are the two most important things for me finding fish early in the year. Hmm. You know, water temperatures are below 56, 55 degrees, you know, after the spawn. And, um, you know, what? you can drive around on the main lake and drive around in all these spots with side imaging or, or even forward-facing sonar and do all this stuff. But, you know, what? if somebody does a project in the right direction, say, hey, you know what? you're in a part of the lakes it's six degrees colder than or i'm catching them you know <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering we were out on devils jeff the first time yep and we're fishing in a spot and this guy comes up to us he goes what are you guys doing out here oh yeah he goes, you're not in the right spot he was yes. a guide a young kid and he was guide. Yes. he's like you're what are you doing he was yes. spearing yes. and we were just we had rented an airbnb and so we were by our airbnb and that's where we started to fish you know it's a lake yeah, it was funnier in hell. And, and he helped us to your point earlier. He pointed us in a direction and we caught fish and it was real nice mm -hmm. of him to share that. So, yeah. And, yeah. and, just, uh, and I wish there was, I wish it was simpler, but you know what? There's times in the middle of August when that water temperature is cooking and those fish are in five feet of water. And then there's times when the water temps are 48 degrees and, uh, you know, it's early May and those fish are in 30 feet of water. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to almost turn off the, the human element where you assume too much and you have this uh, cycle, you know, this confidence in what you think should be working. If it's not working, you need to take a different step, even if mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right when you take it, because all the other things have led you to that point, you know, and that's probably one of the hardest things about finding fish sometimes is not letting our own self get in the way. If that makes no, sense. I, I agree completely. We yeah. we've, we've fought those psychological things. Well, like, here's, here's what happens so often fishing is that you think it's like an algebra equation where, a plus B equals Z, right? Well, the problem is that sometimes you don't know what A or B is. 
in the sense that sometimes there's things happening in the ecosystem that you don't know about, you're completely clueless of, or you're unaware of, right? And um, so there's different things like matching the hatch is such a joke. Like with walleye fishing, I mean, what is a nightcrawler matching, right? What is a fire tiger shad rabbit matching, right? I mean, you know, yeah. and, and I think there's a time and place for it. I mean, there's differently, you know, in clear water, especially, you know, you see different things where one lure or one color, one, one thing is working and nothing else is. But you don't always know why, and it's foolish to even guess. All that matters is that you found it. Well, the re- only reason you find that stuff is keeping an open mind. Even when we're pulling mm-hmm. crankbaits, right, you have one lure that just smoked them the day before. You know, don't go more than two lures behind the boat of that color. Keep keep a couple guinea pigs out because you're going to learn that, you know, it's don't get hung up on that one thing. And, that, you know, one day it might be a old-style thunder stick or a jointed shatter up. The next day it's a hornet or a rumble bug. You know, I mean, you got to – you know, you got to block some of that stuff out of your head so you can catch fish every day. Otherwise, you just, you know, you, you get too streaky. You get your day, then you get your butt kicked so bad, and then you go back to the basics of not knowing anything, and then you figure it out again. Well, sometimes you have to have that mentality when you think you're on them, if that makes any sense. So, you'll, you know, <laughs> you try to avoid those big slumps, those big swings, you know. That, yeah, that's, we were fishing, I was fishing with my cousins up on Rainy River. And we were having a hard time. And the one cousin who fishes the least was hammering him, just hammering him. Yeah. And we're like, what in the hell are you doing? Show us what, because we had all the same jig at this point, <laughs> trying to match what he was doing. He pulls it up. He was hooking his minnow like upside down, like weirdly, because he didn't know what he was doing. We're like, that can't be it. So that's what we did. And we all started catching fish. It was the stupidest thing. <laughs> stupidest know, thing I in ran the world. so many crazy things, you know, guiding where I had so many things force fed to me where I would have never tried it, never done it, never in a million years. And get so lucky that somebody in the boat just didn't listen or didn't know, you know. And uh, pretty soon everybody in the boat's doing it. I can't tell you how many times where, uh, you know, that was kind of a big advantage, you know, guiding you. You have so many lines in the water. It's like a porcupine, you know. <laughs> North Dakota, you have two rods per person, you know, throwing everything at them. You know? and, yeah. You know, Start amazing. eliminating. Some of the things you stumble into, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> so we've noticed um, – We've been following you obviously for a while, and you you fish so many different areas and so many different lakes and so many different places, just in a in a small span of time. Um, what what what's your favorite? If if oh. you aren't, you know, if you're your own, if it's your own day, what what do you go and do? What who, what do I you hope fish I never for? Have to choose. I mean, I get asked that question all the time. I hope I never have to pick one thing or one place. I mean, I love fishing at home. I love Devil's Lake. Uh, I love Lake Sakakawea. I mean, that's where I grew up fishing as a kid. Um, I love a variety of species. I mean, I love small mouse. I love large mouse. I love trout, steelhead. Uh, I like the the process of learning, I guess, more than anything. You know, I mean, I love going to a, a tributary, for example, fishing for steelhead where I know nothing about it, right? And I'm fishing with somebody that knows a lot and just watching and learning and, and picking their brain. And, um, I enjoy all that about fishing. I mean, I think I always have a fondness for walleyes and uh, whether it's open water or ice. I mean, I just love finding and catching walleyes through the ice, but uh, I truly enjoy everything. I enjoy panfish. I mean, I truly enjoy everything. I always feel like, I mean, when we go to all these different places too and do all these different species and we're just trying to show the viewer a variety or trying to at least every once in a while show something that's relevant to somebody, right? Because if you do the same thing, you know, you're going to have a pretty narrow window Mm -hmm. as far as audience you know but yep. at the same time the reality is when i go to all these different places i'm not always the expert 
right? I mean, I feel like I can hold my own on some bodies of water and I feel comfortable and competent on some bodies of water. I mean, there's some bodies of water I've spent a lot of time on over the years. You know, like I go to Leech Lake or, you know, some of the northern Minnesota lakes or, you know, the reservoirs on the Missouri River or whatever. You know, I've spent a fair amount of time out there where I feel like I'm competent. I can go out there and catch fish. I can go out there and figure some things out on my own. But, um, you know, I feel like when we can have people join us that would be considered like a regional or local expert, I feel like the show is that much more rich because I don't really care to be the star. I, I always look at the fish as the stars of the show. I don't I don't have to be the guy. I don't have to be the – I mean, if somebody – if we're filming a show and, and a person I'm with catches six or seven, eight walleyes and I've only caught one, I'm okay with that. And I want to know what that person's doing too, and I'm hoping I can use my show as a platform to explain that, right? I don't have mm-hmm. to be the guy. And um, I don't, I, you know, that's not what drives me. It's not what's important to me. I just want to fish and I want to learn as much as I can about it. And, um, and I also feel like, too, you know, if you don't do that, you kind of get in a rut where everything's pretty one dimensional, where you have your own way of doing things. And it kind of looks all the same after a while, where uh, I like to get that outside influence. I like to get, you know, uh, different uh, people involved, you know, and, 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 you know, especially, you know, too, I remember what it was like being a guide, for example, when, doing shows with Tony Dean or in Fisherman or whoever, and uh, just how much it helped my career. You know, I mean, a show would air, it would just be just, you know, it just really gave you some credibility and, and it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really right. helped grow our business. And so I want to return that favor to other guides too, right? And uh, sure. I've always felt like that's kind of an important role or important part of the industry to kind of pass it on. And so you know, that's kind of our strategy, you know, and, and we get criticized for that. I mean, I've, I've seen people write stuff on social media, like, yeah, they have scouts that go out on the lake before them and find fish for them. And all they got to do is show up and catch them. Or, you know, you guys can't catch any fish on your own and all this kind of stuff, you know, like, well, we do. And we have plenty of time. I mean, there's plenty of times where we've gone to a lake by ourselves and we couldn't find someone to film with or somebody had to back out or whatever. You know, we got it done. But, you know, um, my point is that if we could have got that person, the show would have been even better, you know, mm-hmm. sure. really that local input, you know, you get, you know, like I, when I go to a place and, uh, you know, I only get fish a, a handful of days, right. You know, I can learn a lot about a lake and in some ways fishing is fishing and a lot of things can kind of cross apply to other bodies of water where there'll be certain personalities in different lakes that you can kind of identify, but it's not the same as, uh, when you're fishing with somebody that's just spent their whole life on that body of water. I mean, the mm-hmm. information you can glean from them, the information that we can share to our viewers, I think is just invaluable. You know, like we, we filmed many shows on Leech Lake with Al Moss, you know, it was just a legend. I mean, just, yeah. you know, I've been hiding on that lake for 40, 50 years. I mean, just a legend. I mean, he knew every rock on that lake and just the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. Love fish with Al. You know, we just got along good, just clicked. We, we fished good together. We kind of thought the same way. Um, it was a, it was creepy how we would be both like, yeah, we got to stick this up. You know, we're going to, you know, you know, where some people would want to leave, you know, we, we, we just always had the kind of the same wavelength sure. back and forth going on and, and fish really well together. But how do you replace that guy's experience, you know, yeah. as far yeah. as, uh, you know, sharing with our viewers something that's really valuable that they can take with them to help them catch fish on, on a place like Leech Lake, you know? And so that was always kind of our, my strategy, I guess, is that, um, you know, and everybody has their own deal, right? I mean, there's people that are way funnier than I am. Well, they make funny shows and they make, you know, you know, I've never been an entertainer. I've just I've always been kind of a student of fishing. I'm I'm obsessed with fishing. I want to know as much as I can about it. And so we want to try to find out as much as we can and share that. You know, are we gonna be funny? Probably not. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you you know, you gave me a good laugh here a couple of weeks ago. I was watching one of your shows. I think you're up on red. 
and you had a little walleye on this program that wouldn't turn its butt around and go back down the hole. And you said something like, don't, I, God, I hope I don't have to go to bend down there to get that. And I'm like, man, I relate to that so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. I'm like, yeah, that's, I can understand. I can certainly appreciate it. You get all that bibs on and you got to try to reach your toes, man. That's. <laughs> oh, yeah, on that particular day, it was like a 40 mile or 30 mile an hour. Win. Yeah. I I couldn't get up, couldn't get up the seat too far. Otherwise, I'd been picking up my fish. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It was super windy up there during that time. We were, I was up there pretty close to that, and it was just ridiculous. So yeah, I can relate to that too. It's it's nice when you watch shows like you talk about leech or I don't know, I fix fish on Malax a fair amount, or we've been Devil's Lake, and and you go there sometimes and you see the shows and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna drop my line in the water and I'll just, the fish will jump in the lake and, and, or in the boat. And I, I think, you know, shows on your shows can help you prepare for going there, right. To get some ideas of what to do. Um, that really helps people out to be prepared there. Cause like when you go to leech, it's a big body of water or Malax, it's a big body of water. And there's a lot of water out there to figure out how to catch fish. So I think the shows. I mean, there's a lot of patterns happening, right? I mean, there's a lot of patterns happening at the same time. I mean, there's, always way more than one way to skin a cat, you know, especially in these bigger lakes. They're pretty complex. You look at like Leech Lake, for example, and you look at like, uh, you know, the deep rock piles, you've got Agency Bay, which is kind of its own ecosystem in its own right, you know, and you've got a steamboat and you've got the shallow weeds and you've got the north end up in Sucker and you've got sand and cabbage. And, you know, I mean, you've got all these different things happening simultaneously, you know, and so that, and it makes it fun because, you know, there's always, you know, something happening somewhere, just whether you can yeah. find it or not before you run out of time. <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, and, and I think you know, in, in just trying to teach people so they can find their own fish, I can't stress that enough. I mean, it, it's amazing where you know, we'll film a show and we'll put it up on YouTube right away because that's just what people want. They want it really timely, but at the same time, other television sponsors they want stuff kind of ahead of time where. They want ice fishing, for example, in say November, December. They want open water fishing and February, March, April, right? Because that's when all the stuff's getting rolled out in the big box retail stores. Okay. okay. And so our ice sponsors, our retail partners don't want us airing shows in March on mm-hmm. ice fishing because they don't have any product left to sell. You know, that's the reality of it, right? But the consumer wants that timeliness. But there's kind of a fallacy where people think that, okay, if I film a show and then air it right away, you can go there and catch them. It's over. Okay. It's over. That bite is over. Okay. They want waypoints. They want this. They want, they want me to mark a map. It's over. Okay. It was over three days, two days after we left. Okay. It's over. It's done. The thing is, is try to take the information so that way you can go out and figure out your own pattern, repeat that pattern. But as far as that spot, it's over. It's done. You know, I don't think people realize that, you know, these bites don't last that long. I mean, there's times where we'll film for, two or three days, two days, and hardly turn the camera on. And then the third day we figure it out, we film our show. Well, then a day later, those fish are gone again. They're doing something different. You know, that happened. You know, that's, that's reality, you know? And so, you know, the, the, the concept of, you know, watching a show or getting that information and then going out there on a waypoint or on, on the exact spot marked on a map. I mean, best case scenario, the fish are still biting a little bit, but there's 50 people there and you're all sharing <laughs> It was 50 fish get caught that day and each caught one. You know, right. <laughs> you know if, if the reality is it's way less than that, right? And, and that's just the reality of it. It's just like a tournament, right? A tournament gets one on a spot that weekend. 
it's not like you can go there the next two days and just clean up on them. The spot is done. You know, I mean, it, it you know, the spots only have so many fish, you know, and things change, you know, so, um, I, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. Just well, hopefully we can try to teach people how to think, you know, and what to look sure. for, what to look at, how to use their equipment, how to do certain presentations, whatever it is, you know, and kind of maybe open up some possibilities too, where, you know, whether it's weed walleyes on lakes where, you know, people think that the only way you can catch them is with a live bait rig or, you know, maybe teach people how to troll where, you know, some people are intimidated by that. And, you know, it's, it, everything can be dumbed down and made really simple and easy. Um, I really believe that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not into making things overly complicated. I think that's sure. a fallacy. It's like, oh, look how smart I am. I made fishing as rocket science as I can. Um, <laughs> you know what? Good luck because that ain't going to help you catch any more fish. The best anglers I've ever seen have it so simple, you know, hmm. and, um, you know, because they've just refined it and refined it and refined it and they know what to do and where to do it, you know, and even like, uh, there's a lot of negativity, you know, especially on social media where there's just people that are just maybe frustrated with the world or whatever. And, and they'll tend to lash out with just negativity on social media. And uh, you'll see, you know, we're all forward facing sonar is going to ruin fishing or <laughs> all this equipment. And, you know, we're going to have to, you know, lower the lakes and, and uh, you know, stop selling so many fishing licenses and stuff. And, and it's like, you know, the reality is to say if you have a $100,000 boat, just for argument's sake, Okay. And you've got a $50,000 pickup to pull it and you've got all the equipment and stuff and maybe even have a camper on the lax, whatever it is. Right. The reality is you have a career and a job that's going to be pretty demanding to make that kind of money to pay for it. Yep. Okay. Yep. So by the time you get done with that, how much time do you have to actually use your boat? You know, the, 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 the idea that you can have all that stuff and have all that equipment and then not have a career that expects something from you where you can just be out fishing every day is unless you're a guide, um, you know, that's, that's not realistic. And most guides I know don't have all that stuff either because they're trying to make a money. They're trying to make a living fishing. And if you can make a living making say 500 bucks a day with three people a day and you can run a Lund impact or a Crestline or sport fish, right. Um, a, a ranger with a 400 on the back is kind of a tough thing to cash flow. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. here. I, mean I, I saw it with my own guys. I mean, they would show up with these brand new boats. Like, oh, you guys, you know, 23 years old, 15 year loan, you guys slow down here and think about this, you know, try to teach them the math, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it takes time to learn how to use all that equipment. And, and the more you fish and the more equipment you have, the less of your equipment you use, and you go back to what works. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's something, you know, put it this way. If you ever want to keep an eye on somebody, like say, if you're on pool four or whatever, just watch the guy with a John boat and a 15 horsepower motor. <laughs> yes. Look you in the eye. That you know, he always has his head down, and yep. uh, he's always doing something all by himself. And uh, you know, has three rods laying in his boat. He knows right yep. where to go to do. That's the person to keep an eye on, not the person with all the stuff. You know. Yep. And I'm telling you, you know, that's the way it is. I noticed, um, and this was on one of your recent videos you had on YouTube, but you talked a little bit about how um, Devil's Lake or many lakes have cycles where they kind of go up and down, and said, you know, you talked about how you could tell or felt like devil's lake might be looking up this year. Um, what are some of those signs you look for? What are you seeing at devil's lake? Ultimately it's, it's how the fishing is right. Yeah, but there's been some things that kind of coincide over the years. Um, and I, I have my own theories, I guess. And I, you know, I, I feel, I feel that I'm, it's pretty accurate, but um, when devil's lake is creeping up every year, you know, like from 1993, when it first started coming up to now, 
you know, it's triple the size, right? And so there was a lot of years where the lake came up two feet, three feet, four feet. I mean, one lake, one year it came up like five or six feet, right? So a massive change, okay? And you're you're flooding acreage of pressure vegetation. You're just you're flooding so much new water, okay? And when that lake was really coming up fast, one thing that happened is the pike numbers went through the roof. I mean, hmm. the pike fishing on Devil's Lake, say, 10 years ago, you couldn't go anywhere. And it was just like, you know, I mean, the floor of the boat would be just covered in blood. From just wow. Pink. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, I, I, if you wouldn't cast pranks or did anything, you couldn't help but catch 20 to 30, 40 pike a day. Sometimes in the spring, wow. like right after post-spawn, you'd catch 50 pike to catch five walleyes. You know, like up in wow. Pelican, Midwalk, and Flats, and that was new water. And so the pike numbers just exploded. And I think there were some years where we had some good perch reproduction, or at least a strong reproductive effort, but the predation was out of this world. And that predation starts right away. I mean, those pike are the first fish to spawn on Devil's Lake anyways. You know, they're spawning right at ice, all, practically under the ice, right? And then those fry hatch, and um, like with pike, you know, they're bored with an egg sac, and then they basically kind of suspend out over open water right below the surface, and they absorb that egg sac. And as soon as they absorb that egg sac, they actually form a mouth. When they're bored, they don't have a mouth, which is pretty amazing. They they, they oh. form, they absorb their egg sac, and then they form their mouth. And as soon as they form their mouth, they're a predator. Well, what's hatching right about then? The young of the year perch, okay? And so these perch are just cannon fodder from the time they're hatched until even when they're 12 inches long, they have the height of an armadillo. But still, if you're a 40-inch pike, that's no problem, you know? <laughs> and so we had so many pike in the lake where when that lake was really coming up, and we had perch, and we had some good perch bites, okay? But – um, one thing that I started noticing over the years is that whenever the lake kind of stabilized or even dropped a little bit, even if it was for a two or three year window, it's like our perch numbers would bump up. And so I think there's a couple of things that happens. I think the, the pike reproduction stalls a little bit. Okay. It's not as, it's not as, uh, over the top incredible. And then the other thing is that when that water comes up and floods that terrestrial vegetation, the shrimp freshwater shrimp that are in the lake, those numbers explode, okay? Sure. Where the, the gamorous, that's one one of the varieties of freshwater shrimp, they basically eat decaying plant and animal matter, okay? And so you take all that flooded terrestrial vegetation okay. and start to decay, the shrimp numbers will just explode, okay? And so, you know, whenever you have a situation where you have, oh, say you don't have the high, high population densities of fish, but you have a high pop, you have a high density of forage, it can create great fish, great growth rates, impressive fish, but really a double-edged sword because those fish can be really difficult to catch. Okay, mm -hmm. and so Devil's Lake is notorious for having really difficult perch bites over deep water. Okay, right. where it's just you mark fish all day and you just pull your hair out trying to catch them. <laughs> and then you'll get these little windows where, for whatever reason, they'll open up a little bit and eat, right? And um, it seems like when the lake stabilizes or drops a little bit, I think that the, that invertebrate density drops a touch. And I think the pike density drops a touch. And so those you get more perch and there's less for them to eat. Okay. There's still plenty sure. for them to eat where they have a great body condition, but they're not so overfed that they just, they don't yeah. ever have, you know, <laughs> you know, in the wintertime too, you know, you know, their metabolism slows way down where, you know, they're not eating every single hour of the day like they are when it's August, you know, uh, you know, you see it even like if you throw perch in a bucket, right. Uh, there'll be shrimp in their in their stomachs when you flay them. They're, they're still mm -hmm. in their stomachs. The water is cold, it's like their metabolism slower, but it takes them longer to digest a meal too. Where when it's eighty degrees surface temperatures, 
those whatever's in their stomach is gone within an hour. I mean, it's hardly wow. recognized. You know, so there's like a higher metabolism when the water's warm versus when the water's cold. And so one of the things that you'll see, like when we get good perch bites, almost always, this is, you could bank on this, is that in July, from about the 4th of July on, uh, we'll start, you know, we'll, we'll start catching perch by accident. Okay. And then it also gets to where you can find them and catch them on purpose and actually do pretty well with them in the open water. Okay. And, you know, like say you're pulling a bottom ball sort of slow death with a half crawler or whatever, you know, and you, if there's on the years where we have good winters, you'll start catching perch in July, August, September, just incidentally, you know, where you just, your walleye fish, you catch four or five jumbos in a day. You know, <laughs> there were some summers where I hardly caught a perch all summer. Think about that. And what's interesting is you go to places like Meech Lake and other places, you know, they've got great spring bites. I've never seen a perch caught open water on Devil's Lake in April or May. Wow. I'm really? Sure. Maybe somebody knows something I don't, but <laughs> it's almost like, uh, I don't know. And my theory is that in this, you know, that, that, that the, the population of invertebrates spikes and then it gets fed down as the summer progresses and as they get, as they run out of things to eat, maybe they pull out over structure more too. Maybe there's a locational deal too, where, you know, you get mid to late summer, maybe they start lining up and living in spots where there's also walleyes. I'm not sure, but uh, it seems like you'll start to see them. And, I, and I've seen that in a lot of lakes, a lot of dish bowl prairie lakes in South Dakota too, where, you, you know, when you catch them open water, it's, you know, the end of the year, you know, uh, yeah. July, August, hmm. September, you know, into the fall, you know, and, and Leech Lake can be kind of, have that reputation too, where in the fall they, they school up, you know, and, sure. and uh, it's easier to catch or find, you know, and, and uh, over on Leech, you know, they move shallow, you know, but uh, yeah, in Devil's Lake, you know, a lot of times we're catching them deep, you know, but uh, yeah, it's like, so, those are the things I kind of look for is water stabilizing or dropping, which, you know, it, it was at its high, what, four or five years ago, wherever it was probably about three and a half feet higher than it is today. Sure. It dropped, it came up a little bit in the spring, but then it kind of dropped through the summer. It's been kind of almost working its way back down. It's still high, relatively speaking, but it's not as high as it was. And um, like our pike numbers in the lake are way down compared to what it was 10 years ago. I mean, they're, huh. they're still around, but not like it was, you know, and, uh, and some of that new water too, what's interesting is that the pike body condition was terrible. Like when you have huh. a, you have a year or two where the water doesn't come up, it's like the fish, like the pike feel at first. I, they, huh. their rails are really skinny. It's like, it's like they eat themselves out of house and home where the water's coming up. They can just keep eating and there's enough stuff getting added to that ecosystem you know sure and uh, and and what's interesting is like on urban and alice and some of those feeder lakes the walleyes will look okay they look decent because they they've got the eyesight to they're better predators in that dirty water than the pike are but after a while if that water stays the same or so it keeps dropping you'll start to see the walleye body condition go down as well you know huh. and so that low water um or dropping water like people are trying to debate on where the pump should be at. There's no magic elevation sure. for Devil's Lake. The magic is the trend. When the water is coming up, you're, hmm. you know, and, and biologists have a word for it. Um, when you uh, take terrestrial vegetation and flood it, it releases a lot of carbon into that ecosystem. Or vice versa, you take aquatic vegetation and you turn it into land and you plant a crop on it, there's a lot of carbon released. And so it's like rocket fuel as far as from the bottom of the food chain all the way up. So, wow. I know I've never seen perch like we saw perch on Devil's Lake. I mean, I've, I've I, oh, even no. even on Leech Lake, they're 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 sizable on Leech Lake, but nothing like I've ever seen on Devil's Lake. Oh, here, here's what's amazing too: is you take like a a Devil's Lake perch, or even 
you know, a lot of these prairie potholes where they're, they're really, really eating the freshwater shrimp, they huge bodies, right? I mean, just big, broad, humpback shoulders, um, tiny little mouths, almost like a little helmet on their forehead, tiny little mouth about the size of a Coke bottle, even though it's a 14-inch perch, whereas that a 13-inch perch on Leech Lake has a mouth like a smallmouth bass, you know, like a way bigger head. You know, it's almost like the, the body shape of the fish adapts to the environment. You know, or Green Bay or Saginaw Bay, where these fish are eating crayfish and shiners. They got a mouth that opens up like a smallmouth bass, huge heads, big mouths, you know. Yeah. And uh, you've seen our perch. I mean, our perch, if they had a tackle of seven-inch rusty crayfish, they would get their butt kicked. <laughs> like a tiny little mouth. And, yeah. I mean, good luck catching a fish with that, you know. So it's funny how they, they react to different ecosystems, and they almost kind of mold themselves to wherever they're at. I noticed that with walleyes, like the coloring of walleyes. I really like okay. that. Like different lakes, they all have their kind of different the way walleyes look. And it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Yep. For sure. Well, uh, another question we wanted to talk about was, um, you know, kind of what's going on right now or what's next uh, with you? I know I saw you guys have an app out now, the yeah you know we've been we've been developing the virtual angling app which that's been a fun project um you know just a way to get more information out to more anglers um it's uh and we're trying to make it you know subscription based to where we don't have the influence of advertising so that way we can show all the different messages and all the different information without worrying about conflicts and so that's been a really fun project and people have been just embracing that app um our subscription rate is high. I mean, we've been we've been really doing well with that app, and it, it's been fun. You know, I I enjoy the app myself. I mean, I love seeing all the different content. I love seeing all the different perspectives from different people. I always feel like I can learn something from everybody. You know, and uh, you know, maybe there's some things that maybe I don't agree with, or maybe there's some things that yeah, maybe I don't know if that would apply to where I fish or not. But I there's always something I can lean. You know, and uh, I'm always trying to learn. You know, I'm always trying to get ideas. I'm always trying to look at something a different way, you know, and, uh, and so, and I find that a lot of other anglers do too, you know, that's mm-hmm. probably something that's pretty relatable. And, um, so yeah, the angling, the virtual angling app has been a, been a, a, a big thing for us here this past year. And then our JMO podcast has been pretty popular too, you know, especially on like a Spotify and Stitcher yeah. podcast mm-hmm. platforms. I mean, it's, it's getting some pretty serious views, cool. you know, and so that's been a fun project. Um, you know, we're always trying to grow and evolve with the times, you know, you look at the digital media, you look at uh, whether it's video on YouTube or whether it's social media, you know, we're always trying to uh, grow and evolve and kind of adapt to how that changes. You know, I mean, that's, that's I remember, you know, when Facebook was kind of newer, you know, I, I'll, I'll never be the first person on a social media <laughs> Don't even. I don't even really enjoy it. I mean, I, I if I miss a fish because I'm on my phone, I am not a happy individual. <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, uh, I remember, you know, the, the, with Facebook, thinking, man, this. I hate Facebook. It's like now, now I got to do this, 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 and this. You know, I'm still getting paid the same as I was before. It's like I, I was, you know, I looked at social media for a long time. It's just kind of this necessary evil, you know. But over time, you know, we've been able to monetize the social media platforms in different ways or it's put us in a big advantage over our competitors trying to get some of the same advertising dollars Mm -hmm. you know and i've grown to appreciate social media where the reach is so incredible now that 
the reality is that we probably reach more people with social media or YouTube than we do with television, which is pretty hard yeah. to believe, but it's it's yeah. probably pretty true. And I, I feel like from a from a credibility standpoint, one of the things I really love about social media is that people want, you know, from a, as far as influencing a buying decision or you know some type of opinion, I, I feel like people really want to listen to somebody or hear something from somebody from somebody they feel is doing it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. Unfortunately, sometimes in this industry, you know, there's people that film shows where the only time they ever fish is when they're filming a TV show. You know, sure. the rest of the time they're not fishing, you know, and their social media kind of shows it, right? They're regurgitating photos. It's, you know, that's not, yeah, I caught this on this lake today and the snow's three feet deep. And it's, you know, what's your favorite lure? And it's showing a three-year-old photo, you know? Right. And I feel like, um, you know, you can't fake it with social media. And so that's one of the things I like about it because I've never really been about faking anything. You know, we're, we're fishing bums first and foremost, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that I think you know, social media is kind of bold well for what we do and how we do it. Lends an authenticity to what you're doing. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there a is there a Jason Mitchell TikTok account? You know, we have one, and I have somebody that kind of. <laughs> I got to pay people to do some of this stuff, but yeah. <laughs> they they put videos on there. In fact, I one of our editors will take even like uh, videos from you know when we're shooting shows, and they'll cut them and. You kind of re-edit them so that they're vertical, and they put them on TikTok. So, yeah, that's kind of something we just started kind of wrapping our heads around. But, yeah, yeah. It, don't get me wrong. I'm not the expert in this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I people. Got a, I, I, got a, I got a great team that works that's, for them. They, 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 uh, they're the experts. <laughs> well, and you almost have to now because it, it does change so fast. You know, you talk about Facebook. You know, it doesn't seem that long ago that was, like, probably the number one platform. And now, you know, TikTok is a big deal now. And it wasn't even hardly a thing a couple of years ago. Yeah, so. yeah. and it's funny how it ebbs and flows. Like, for, for some things, Facebook is still king, you know, as far as, like, sharing links. And, you know, there's things that Facebook's really good at. There's things that Instagram is really yep. good with. Sometimes they ebb and flow where Instagram will kind of fall way back and nobody can figure out the algorithm. And then all of a sudden something clicks again and it takes yep. off. Or, you know, these companies kind of reposition and, and – uh, and pivot all the time too, or always on Instagram decides, you know, we're going to go up for TikTok and, you know, and, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's, they want to do video or, you know, it's, so it's, yeah, I got people that <laughs> worry about that stuff. I, sure. I, I have Jeff. Jeff does that. that that's me. The, <laughs> I'm just the idea guy. And I yeah. still try to figure out my electronics. I got enough things on my plate. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that the one thing, speaking of electronics, I think, so I, I got a Helix 7, like with the signed imaging, you talked a little bit about that. I still don't know if I figured it totally out yet. So, so the side and down imaging, I still use my 2D sonar an awful lot. So well, here's the deal is that there's things that the 2D sonar is what, what you should be using, right? Yeah. Like say if you're on Lake Erie and you're driving 20 miles an hour trying to mark fish, it's 2D sonar. Or, you know, there's a lot of different things that 2D sonar is the best thing, but there's certain situations where if the fish are there, they'll show up, but really, really good on side imaging. Right. And the key is knowing what those situations are and knowing what situations are. And if you're looking for fish with side imaging in the wrong spots, good luck. You know, yeah. and like, like down view, what I like down view for is deep water rocks. Like when fish are tight to the bottom, whatever sure. you have any type of structure um, in deep water, especially when the fish are tight to the bottom, yep. that, two, that down view will show you things that the 2d doesn't. Cause it's, it's like a razor, for a cone angle yep. versus versus a, a cone, you know, yeah. that makes sense. There's not as much blind spots, you know, as far as picking up fish off the bottom when you're going up or down stuff. So it's just learning what they each do good yep. and, and they all complement each other. 
They're not, it's not like one's better than the other. Even forward facing sonar, yep. you know, in certain situations, a forward facing sonar is worthless. You know, you got to know what it's good for when to use it. So, no one good, one solution for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Even ice fishing, right? I mean, you know, I remember people saying, oh, forward, you know, like whether it's live scope yeah. or active target, like it's going to, you know, eliminate Vexlar from the scenes. Like, oh, have you guys used this stuff yet? I mean, I, I'm a big, fan of forward-facing sonar i mean it's it's very valuable for certain things a lot of times i'll have it on my unit itself right and i'll just put the transducer in the water and turn it around and see sure. if i can for suspended crappies for example over a basin right but i'm not going to lug that thing from hole to hole you no. know i like to use a six inch auger to rip holes faster and it's lighter and it's quicker and it doesn't burn up as much battery i can hardly squeeze it down the hole and i sure would be able to fish in the same hole so now what do i drill two holes every time i make a move you know, and I'm going to carry this big, I mean, like a, like a World War II soldier carrying a flamethrower. <laughs> i got a backpack and I'm carrying this big tube with a transducer on it. And, right. And just the transducer itself weighs more than a Vexlar. You know, and so use a forward-facing sonar to find fish and use your Vexlar to catch fish because the delay in the leg on the forward-facing sonar will drive you nuts too, which huh. you're actually trying to use it right below you, right? But, you know, some people use it in a wheelhouse and you got rattle reels down. It's just an entertainment thing. Oh, look, sure. there's a big fish somebody by or whatever. But, you know, one thing I would say is like every once in a while you get those high flyer, big fish high in the water column, you can see them a lot sooner on forward facing sonar. Huh. But, you know, again, it's a very narrow, narrow beam, you, you know, so you'll see fish just kind of show up on an oar because they swim into that beam because it's like a, it's not a cone, it's like a line, you know. And so you can turn that line. And that's why, like, for example, when you have fish tight to the bottom or an uneven structure, it's really hard to find fish huh. and see them. It's like they'll they'll appear and then they'll burrow under the ground almost sure. and they pop. But you know, again, you know, it, it shines in less than 25, 30 feet of water. If you have fish within say fifty to hundred feet, and if they're up off the bottom, especially if it's like a school of crappies, that's where it shines. And actually, too, for finding fish, I still think like the original panoptics or with Lawrence, the live site sure. is a better transducer because you get more range. Okay. You don't get the detail, but you know what? If I'm over a basin of 20 feet of water on a panfish lake and I've got a cloud of fish or 30 feet away and it's 10 feet tall, I kind of know what they are. Right. Sure. Whereas with yeah. the active target or the live site, you get better detail where you can almost tell the species, you can tell the shape and you get better detail, but you don't get the range as good with the original transducers, you know? So, you know, they all kind of have their place. You know, I got one of those Lawrence live site transducers. It was kind of one of the first ones. And, I've had people want to buy it. I'll give it up for nothing. <laughs> I like that one a lot yeah. better than the new stuff, you know, so less moves, less holes. If you have more range. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes, I mean, sometimes, I mean, a hundred feet seems to be kind of the sweet spot, at least from what I've seen, uh, you get out past that and it's gotta be a pretty impressive school. You know I mean? Sure. You just lose it, you know? Um, but you know, hundred feet is a little perfect. But the other thing too, though, is that when you see a hundred feet on your range, reality is like say if it's at 50 feet on your range the reality is it's probably closer to 30 feet they're closer than what what it says oh. it's almost <laughs> like your like your side imaging right when your scale is yeah. set at 50 and it's like you know how your range gets a little off on your side image yep. where you have to compensate for the depth of water that you're in yep side imaging there's something with that or i'm sort of forward-facing mm -hmm. sonar there's something with that you just notice like we use it a lot it's like it's not as far as what it says on the range and so you got to kind of you know, the more you use it, you get kind of in tune to that, you know, sure. but, but yeah, especially like when you're trying to cast a fish in the boat, you know, yes. Yeah. Um, it's almost like, you know, some of us just finding that thresholds. So if they have a bubble around them some days where you can't get within 20 feet of them, 30 yeah. feet, 
it varies from day to day, especially on clear lakes. And some of these northern Minnesota lakes that are super clear. Yeah. There's days where you just cannot get within mm-hmm. 20 feet, 15 feet, whatever it is. And it just, some of it's just, that's one of the most valuable things with forward facing sonar. Some days it's figuring out where that bubble is where you can sure. get how close can I get before I bump it's up. I can't imagine how many ice fishing stories or you have. And I mean, as much fishing as you do, you got to have tons of them, but uh, what's one of your best, uh, we call them legends, but ice fishing stories that you have. Oh goodness. You know, we were talking about a bunch of them today because we had a, a zippy, a guy that I guided with for years. You know, we had a friend that has cancer. So we went up to see him. You know, one of the guys that we guided with years ago. So we drove up to his house, and, you know, just to see him and talk to him and stuff. And, uh, we were talking about some of the old stories, you know, back when the you know, we were using FLAs before the AT came out, we didn't have a Zoom, you know. And uh, I remember one time we were out by the towers on Devil's Lake, not very far from where you had your snowboard park. We were just oh, yeah. about a half mile, okay. okay. And uh, we we're just on the other side, and um, we uh, we were on a pretty good perch bite. My guys were getting them pretty good. I mean, I think they were close to their limit or whatever. And I remember calling Zippy in, you know, tell him to come over. And I told him, I said, I'll, I'll drill some holes for you just so you get set up quicker. And so I had some old holes that I had drilled earlier. And one of my guys must have throw, caught a couple of small perch, you know, out of that deeper water and threw them back. And they didn't swim back down the hole. Okay. Well, if you can imagine, you know, people drive over the hole or they get kicked in or whatever. And so I, I was basically just drilling out an old hole that was full of slush. Sure. Okay? When, as he came driving up with his guys. And when I drilled the hole up and I pulled the auger up to just kind of clean up the hole, a couple of perch came flopping out of the <laughs> hole. Okay? They're flopping around on the ice. I didn't think nothing of it, you know. And so we get his guys set up and, um, you know, and, and I don't know what happened. We probably went to try to, you know, drill a few more holes and look around again because usually the fish move around a little bit, try to keep up with them a little bit. And I remember just, sticking my head in his house in this guy's house and this is this is so many years ago we were using the four by eight portables that we made out of two you know pieces of plywood and yes yes before clam yep. even had a two-man shelter you know this is, right. so this is a few years ago i remember opening up the door and peeking out and hey how's it going guys and you know oh, we haven't had any bites yet you know and and i looked down the hole and i could see their middle somewhere like well did your bobber stop get moved you know i thought you know maybe they yep. you know you reel in sometimes and the bobber stop slides all the way down your line and and I go, oh, you got, we got to adjust your depth or whatever. Well, here, what they, what happened is they saw those perch come flying out of the hole. They thought the fish, you know, they were in like 35 feet of water. They're fishing three feet below the ice with their minnows, thinking that <laughs> the, the fish are, you know, that they thought that. That you sucked them up. Fish, you? Yeah, like, like we struck oil here. Like <laughs> perch flying out of the lake, you know. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to get a little higher in the water column here. Zippy's had his fish on the bottom all day. No wonder we're having a tough day, you know. Wow. wow. <laughs> so I went into the lead depth finder and adjusted all their lines, you know. And yeah. <laughs> so that was one thing that, you know, joke about all the time. We still laugh about that. But, uh, oh, a lot of good memories. Though. I mean, a lot of, a lot of stupid stuff and a lot of, you know, getting stuck and, breaking stuff and yes you name it you know breaking stuff and ice fishing kind of go hand in hand it seems <laughs> yeah i always joke you get a week where it's 30 below or colder and you probably didn't make any money that week and by the time you <laughs> get done fixing everything sure well any parting wisdom for us oh goodness <laughs> <laughs> that's the next hour <laughs> is that the next that's fine i got i got nothing to do well, sure, I do. Question, no, I don't I, want to do it. I, I think have fun with fishing. I mean, I think sometimes people take it too seriously. Embrace the the mm-hmm. suck. You know, I mean, 
I try stuff all the time that doesn't work. I try lakes that don't work. I try presentations, trying to learn more about them and do a lot of things wrong before I figure out how to make it work. Um, I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in having that instant success where they're so scared to go into work on Monday and tell people they didn't catch any fish that weekend. You know, that it's like they got to prove something to somebody and they, you, you can really get in a rut where you quit learning and um, yeah. don't be afraid to try some things that don't work, you know, and, and expand what you know and, and have fun with that. Embrace that. I, I think sure. that's what really keeps fishing fun, at least for me all these years is, uh, you know, don't have everything figured out. Sometimes I think I get something figured out and then something happens and, you know, <laughs> I got a lot more to learn, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think that's probably the whole key is, uh, you know, don't be afraid to try some things that don't work at times. Well, really, really appreciate the time you spent with us tonight and, and uh, sharing all your your wisdom and your stories and learning a little bit more about how you came to be and in your current business and roles. So thank you very much. You bet. Happy, happy to be on here, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. We really want to thank Jason Mitchell for being on the program. He's an incredibly busy guy. And just the fact that he took some time um, to sit down and talk with us and tell us his, his legend and talk about how he came to be in his business and make his way was just awesome. So thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show tonight. Tight line. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.